0: Hey friends, welcome to episode 33 of Entrepreneurial Outlaws. Today's episode, we are going to be going through some of the common phrases and narratives that we see in the online business community. Phrases that have been weaponized, phrases that we frequently see being used during promotions and launches and on sales pages to create oftentimes an illusion that this investment, this purchase, this program offer, whatever it might be, is going to not only give you exactly what you want and need, it's going to continue to provide you with safety or it's going to be different to everything else. Now, I think it's important for me to caveat that by saying not everyone is a dick (laughs) in the online business space, right? Not everyone is crappy. Not everyone is shitty. I'm not shitty and I'm not crappy and I work with a lot of people who also are doing incredibly ethical and transparent things, In fact, I would say that for the most part, anyone who I'm engaged with or collaborating with or working with in the online space is ethical, is aware of what is happening right now and is engaged with their own work, whatever that may look like behind the scenes. They're engaged with their own work and they are working to do better. The fact that you're here listening to this podcast tells me that you're doing exactly the same. I also know that it looks different for each of us. We each have our own different, our own different roadblocks, our own different triggers. We have all experienced different trauma in the online business community. And so this episode is very much based on my own experience. Right, that's the truth of it. So there may be things that I don't cover that you have experienced, and there may be things that I mentioned that you haven't experienced. But I think it's really important for us to have this conversation because as I record this episode right now, there is there is a shift happening. I've been feeling it for a while. I've been doing this work for over a year talking about the harm and the toxic nature and narrative that is is has been happening and is happening in the online business community. But I'm also kind of tired of just talking about the problems and I think a lot of other people are too. I'm ready for solutions. And I don't think I have all the answers, but I know that I have some. Um when one of the things just recently when I've really been digging into my own business behind the scenes, I was suddenly struck by this realization that my entire business had been built upon this narrative. It had been built upon these strategies and tactics that were seemingly the only way of doing business, but are deeply rooted in weaponized behavior they are deeply rooted in oppression and they are not safe for all people. And the reason it took me so long to realize this is because I think to some degree, I was trying to believe that A, I had distanced myself from, you know, these coaches. But my first investments, the first three, yeah, three, three and a half years of my business I was working closely in a in a bubble that was rooted in these big names in online business who are continuing to be quiet, are continuing to be silent about the part they play in creating an idea an illusion of what it means to be successful, but only telling half the truth, right? So what we have seen in the last few weeks, or the last few days, I should say, um, as again, at the time of recording this, is that this, this is a very, very, it's like a spider web, right? It's like a spider web of Toxicity. It's a spider web of harm. It's a it's a financial spider web. You know, the more you look at it, the less you can't unsee it. I've been chatting with friends and peers and colleagues in, in on Instagram in my DMs, and we've been like, we don't even know now. <laughs> like, we don't even know what the truth is. We don't even know what success can even look like for us. But I'm also reminded that it may begin, right? It may begin, let's just be honest, it may begin with like Tony Robbins and NLP. I'm just going to say it. It may begin back there, but it ends with us. It ends with each of us. It ends with us deciding to do the work, us deciding to change the way we approach business, that we approach marketing It's our individual work decisions to change the narrative, to pave the new way. And that's what we do here on Entrepreneurial Outlaws. That is what being an outlaw is. It's not just being an outsider. It's not just not fitting in. That's a huge part of at least my experience. But it's about finding people who are doing the work too. And at this point, it's about understanding that it takes time. Relationships are not built upon, oh my God, she's in my head, take my money. I mean, that's not how relation, at least that's not how my relationships work. My relationships take time, right? My relationships take time. I want to get to know people. And that's one of the reasons why for me, I've got really comfortable knowing that my business will remain small. My business will remain small. It could always be bigger. It could always be more profitable. But after the last year, I'm not willing to burn out. I'm not willing to make myself ill. I'm not willing to not put myself first. And I'm not willing to continue protecting people or ideology that is not aligned with my values. Because at the end of the day, I'm here to protect my own energy, but I'm also here to protect you all. I'm here to protect my audience, my clients, my students, my customers. Why? Because you're doing the work. And if you're doing the work, you deserve to be protected when you enter into any kind of space with me and my business. So today's episode, I'm going to run through some of the phrases that we see used frequently in the online business community. I'm gonna kind of just talk about them. Again, this comes from my own experience. But what I also want to say is that you might find some or all of this conversation to be triggering. And I want to give you permission right now to just pause and it's okay. And to, you know, come back when you feel ready. But at the same time, if you do feel that you're ready to listen to this episode, that you're ready to dig into some of these phrases and really look at ways in which we can improve our relationship with this terminology and actually do the work and not just use them as a marketing ploy, then this episode is definitely for you. And as I said, even if you're not ready to listen into this, this episode will be here right so you can come back to it at any time okay so get comfortable get your earbuds and let's get into episode 33 you're listening to entrepreneurial outlaws a podcast for creatives introverts empaths and spiritual folks who want to grow a sustainable and impactful business on their own terms We're here to meet you at the intersection of strategy, spirituality, and self-inquiry so that we can create our own versions of success and grow businesses that serve our personal goals and creativity just as much as it serves our audiences. Together, we are paving the way for a new normal in online business, one that allows you to lean into what makes you and your business unique. And I'm your host, Melanie Knights. Storyteller and outlaw mentor with a nose for the bullshit. I'm here to help you unpack the bro marketing strategies and entrepreneurial myths that lead us to overthink our business decisions, because overthinking is a feminist issue. The antidote, your intuition. So get ready as each week we have the messy, honest, and transparent conversations about entrepreneurship, the kind that's missing from the highlight reels of our social media feeds. We're uncovering the real stories behind what it takes to run a sustainable online business on your own terms. The highs, the lows, and everything in between. Ready to break the rules and become an entrepreneurial outlaw? Let's do this. Okay, so one of the main, the main issues I have <laughs> with this narrative in online business is that we have been telling people we have been told and then in turn we have been telling people for a really long time that there's only one way of doing things it's the narrative right it's 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 a marketing tactic right you only give people one option don't give them too many links the idea that we are continuing to reduce people's agency to pick and make a decision this is one of the reasons what well, in my own business, I actually consistently have more than one link available on Instagram and even in my email newsletter. Because I'm trying to unravel my own stuff. I'm trying to let go of this idea that people can people can't function. They can only pick one thing and that one thing has to be me and it has to be the paid option. Well, I don't really believe that. I, I think, sure, there are times when we just want to have one solution. But we also have to understand our own audience's capacity. My audience, you guys, you're listening right now, you want choice. You want options. Maybe you don't want to the, pay the thing. Maybe you want the free thing. And it would be really remiss of me to not give you the option. And that is one of the reasons why this idea that we are telling people, this is the thing, this is what you want, this is what you need, and we completely ignore the idea that people can actually make a decision on their own terms. I actually think if we do a better job of allowing our content, right, our content, whether it's on Instagram, email, wherever the hell you're doing your content, if we do a better job as individuals on creating content that answers questions, on creating content that is aligned with our business and the way we do things. And it gives people an idea of what we do and who we are and why we do these things. In every single post, in every single email, there is less need to limit choice because people already know. Think about some of the investments you've made in your business, especially since you've seen the bullshit for what it is, you have probably been more cautious with your investments. You've probably been more cautious with who you give your follows and subscriptions and your money to. I know I have. And one of the things that stands out to me is that I probably don't even read a sales page, right? My last investment in my business was to publish my Outlaw journal. Um, I had followed and known about Sarah Steckler, Uh, Mindful Productivity blog on Instagram. I will link to her in the show notes. And I followed her for some time. I knew she had this course. I know people who have published journals and planners through her. I have Sarah's Mindful Productivity Brain Dump planner. I don't think that's the one I have. I've just realized that's probably not. Anyway, I'll link to her in the show notes. But the point being that I have followed Sarah for a while. I know she has this course. So when it came to joining her course, I didn't watch the video, the webinar. I didn't even really look at the sales page. I scrolled down to find out, okay, when does the, when do the calls start, right, the live calls, because I wanted to commit to showing up to those calls. And how much is this? What's the payment plan? How was, what's the layout like? I already trusted her enough through her content, through our relationships, that I didn't need any more information other than that. Now, that's not to say that you don't need a sales page, right? I'm not I'm not getting into that conversation. That's not to say you don't need a sales page. At the end of the day, if you have cold pe- people who don't know you coming to your business, sure, you need to give them more information. But I think when we can understand that our relationships online take time, we can understand that people don't need quite as much as we think they do. And... If we can do a really great job of explaining things transparently in our content, through our content, through our free work, then we're already building those relationships. But relationships take time. So that was something I wanted to just talk about because it might seem like, oh, well, it's so simple, but I think we just have to get comfortable with allowing time time for ourselves, time for our audiences, time to make decisions that feel good, right? Instead of saying to people, there is only one way of doing things. I think for most of us, we're tired of hearing there is only one way of doing things. We want options. We want to be able to take what we've learned or take what we know and then figure out what, what feels good, what looks right, how does this fit into my life? Right? Because we are able to do that. It doesn't have to be someone else's goal, someone else's life. Because for the most part, a lot of the time, people who we have worked with or looked up to in the online space, their lives are a million miles away from mine. Right? They're a million miles away from mine. I don't know about you, but they're a million miles away from mine. And that was one of the pitfalls Me for the first few years of my online business. I was chasing this ideology, I was chasing these dreams, I was chasing these goals. None of them were mine. None of them were mine. This person who I was looking at and trying to trying to emulate wasn't anything like me. Right? She was nothing like me. Her lifestyle, her relationships, her commitments her goals, her body, because I started out in the health and fitness industry and that is a huge impact, right? I'm just going to be honest. As far as I'm concerned, for me, that was a massive impact in how I was going to be able to build my business because of how I looked comparatively to my peers. So it's really important that we get comfortable with that, right? Get comfortable with time, get comfortable with giving people agency, giving people choice. It's okay, So let's go into some of these phrases. And I've been, I've been thinking about this for a really long time. (laughs) This is one of those episodes I've probably been sitting on for um, four, six weeks. I don't know, just thinking about, okay, what do I really want to say? And the last few days I have been very vocal on Instagram talking about this because I'm really tired of talking about problems. I want to give solutions, but I'm also really, really angry. And I have to kind of I have to look at duality, right? That's not something that's easy for me, but I have to be okay with being frustrated and angry, but then also delivering solutions. So the first phrase I want to talk about is safe space. Safe space. Look, again, I want to say that for many of you listening, you may be thinking, but I, I I, do create a safe space or I want to create a safe space. And I'm not saying that you don't. I'm not saying that we can't use the phrase, right? That's not this point of this episode. This is not to say you shouldn't use this phrase. There's nothing wrong with the phrase. It's The the, the issue is where the trust has been broken by people who use the phrase, right? That's where, this, where all of this lies. It's through trust being broken and safety being broken in this case, by people who have huge audiences, big businesses, but they've, they've broken that trust, right, to create a safe space. Now this, I was first aware of the issue, the problem around the phrase safe space last June. Because last June we saw big, communities specifically on Facebook these big communities ran run sorry by these big names in online business and what we saw is people wanting to have a conversation specifically black people indigenous people people of color wanting to have a conversation about what was happening with George Floyd And Black Lives Matter. At the time, what came out of this is that all of a sudden, there were people in these communities who didn't want to talk about racism. They didn't want to talk about white supremacy. And what then happened was these administrators or moderators or whatever the hell they're called of these communities shut down these voices. They shut down comments and said, this isn't that place. We don't talk about this here. And that was the first time I had realized where so much of the discomfort and harm and trauma comes into these online communities, specifically groups, Facebook groups, things like that. Personally, I've always had this kind of frustration with Facebook groups, right? Facebook groups became all the rage in like 20... 2016, 2017, because the Facebook algorithm shifted, right? So Facebook pages no longer got seen. So everyone shifted to Facebook groups. That was the thing. Everyone had to have a Facebook group because a Facebook group didn't have the same impact and people would see all of your content because they had their notifications on and people's, and again, Facebook groups have been weaponized, right? So this is the same thing, but the safe space in particular, right? These safe spaces were not safe. Now, if... I didn't feel safe as a white, cisgender, heterosexual woman. I can only imagine how other people, like, I I, I don't, I didn't feel safe. And I'm, I am one of those voices who would have been the majority probably in these groups. And this is what we saw. We saw these communities deciding to make, the majority comfortable, whilst shutting down everyone else's voice. What this did for people who are paying attention, for people who have been paying attention, what this did was show us that these guidelines, these safe spaces, these communities are not here for people. They are here to protect the coach, the business owner, the host, the the admin, whomever. And what we saw is that they will shut down conversations that they deem could impact their bottom line. Rather than speaking up, rather than speaking out, rather than sharing their opinion, they would silence others and they would stay silent. So what do we do, right? What do we do when we want to create a safe space? Because I also, I too, want to create a safe space And I believe I am creating safe spaces. However, I cannot determine or decide if a space is safe because the reality is a place is safe until it's not, right? A community is safe until it's not. Now, I think it starts, if we're not going to be silent, by telling people up front what we stand for, what we stand against. It starts with that. And not just every so often and not just hidden somewhere on our website, but like front and center telling people, right? Some ideas, because this is something I don't think I'm getting it right all the time. I know I'm not, but I'm willing to keep doing these things and be told when I'm doing it wrong, because for me and my business, I want to create a safe space. But I also know it's only safe until it's not. And I also know there are ways in which I hadn't even considered that spaces might not be safe. So that's the first thing, right? Leading with your values and beliefs and telling people up front what you stand for and what you don't stand for. And then being willing to have those hard conversations, right? That's the other thing. Because if someone turns around to you and says, hey, I want to work with you, but I don't agree with you, and here's why, are you going to say no? Right? That's that's a reality. Are you going to say no? Because if you're not willing to say no, then you have to reconsider whether that space is safe. So that's the first thing. The other way of doing this is especially when you are If you are facilitating conversations, maybe it's Facebook Lives, maybe it's on a Zoom calls, maybe it's coaching, especially in group coaching or group mentoring or whatever you want to call it, if you are having these group conversations, um, you need to understand that you don't know everyone, Right? the bigger the group gets, you don't know everyone. And even if you're like me and you want to do your best to know everybody, you don't know everybody. You don't know everything about them. You don't know what signifies for them a safe space, right? You can do your best, but you don't know. So you need to give people permission to tell you, and then you need to deal with it. A friend of mine recently suggested as well that you could have a traffic light system, right? So on a group community cool, you can have, especially if you're doing kind of personal development, self-development work, kind of conversations we have here on the podcast um, to create a, a, a traffic light system where you can say, okay, here's the traffic light. Like this is what green means. This is what amber is. This is what red means. And if at any time you think, you feel that this conversation is bordering on a trigger, then I want you to be able to say, green, like this is getting towards a place where I don't feel comfortable. By giving people permission, honoring their decisions, holding back judgment, and, and being willing to have the conversation. But I just don't think... We can plaster on a sales page or talk about creating safe spaces. We have to talk about how we're creating safe spaces because honestly, no one gives a shit about the safe space anymore. Like, don't tell me you're creating a safe space. Tell me how you're going to create a safe space. Tell me what you're doing. Make it really clear and visible. The next phrase is meet you where you are. I thought a lot about this. And in, in reality, you can't meet everyone where they are. I don't care how niche you are or how well you know your audience. You can't meet everyone where they are. I don't know about you. I've had so many times in my business where I have probably thought that I'm meeting people where they are. And then they are not where I thought they were. Or then don't fall into my idol client. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with you. I don't know what to do with you, right? I don't know how to deal with this. I had this happen... A couple of times back in my health and fitness business. So back in health and fitness, I used to, I had a, a short-term program where we focused a lot on adding protein into your diet because we're not going to get into the science of it. But anyway, that was the short-term program. And I had a couple of women join this program and they were vegan. And I was like, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to do with you. I'm not vegan. I'm not, I don't know vegan recipes. I'm not Vegan this was totally out of my, let's just say comfort zone. I couldn't meet them where they are because I didn't know what to do with them. Right? So that's a very, that's a very small way of explaining that. But what I'm trying to get through is we can't know every single person who's going to read our sales page, read our content, that we're going to be able to meet them where they are. Instead, what I want us to learn to do is To say, okay, you know what? I'm going to do my best to meet you where you are. But this is like, this is where we're at. (laughs) This is what I do, right? This is where the transparency is super important. This is what I do. This is who I've worked with in the past. And I'm going to give you the choice to decide if you want to meet me here. And also being okay if you start to work with someone and you're like, this isn't going to work because I don't really, like, I carried on working with my vegan clients and, you know, for the most part, it was okay. But I think now I'd probably say to them, you know, I just, I don't think this, I don't think we're going to get to where you want to be. I think you'd be better off working with this kind of person, someone who is also vegan and knows how to meet you where you are, right? Right. the next one is talking about, again, communities and saying that you're going to, you're not going to be a number. I used to be really attracted to that phrase because in my corporate job, my last corporate job before I became self-employed, I literally had a number. (laughs) I literally had a six-digit number that was assigned to me and So when I came into the online business community and there was lots of talk about, you won't be a number in a group, you'll be, you know, we'll engage with you and we'll have conversations and you will get my time. But so that really appealed to me, right? Because I was like, well, I've been a number for like the last decade. But then I found that I was still just, I wasn't necessarily a number, but I was just like a Facebook handle. I wasn't you know, my questions weren't answered in the capacity I thought they would be. There wasn't the relationship or the engagement that there had seemed to be before my credit card was taken, right? And so, again, it's same as same vein is that we need to start talking about what this actually means to us as business owners, and then how to deliver that to our audience, and to our students, and to our clients, and to our customers. What does it mean to not be a number? right, and how are you going to maintain that, because the reality is, if you have a Facebook group of hundreds, we don't even need to get to the Facebook groups where there's thousands, if you've got a Facebook group with hundreds of people, you're already at the point where you can't keep track of everybody, this is when that safe space, meet you where you are, not a number stuff, really, really matters, right, right, it really is important at that point, because you cannot physically keep track, especially if it's an engaged group, yay, amazing, that's what we all dream of, having engaged conversations and spaces, but as the host, as the admin, as the moderator, how are we ensuring that people are heard, how are we creating safe spaces, how are we meeting them where they are, and how are we ensuring that they don't feel like they're a number, so many people I have met, over the last few years, who have invested in these big, big business coaching programs where they are in a Facebook group and they have questions and their questions don't get answered. Even when they tag the admin or the host, they still don't get answered, right? So, For us, it's a case of looking at these things and saying, okay, what do I need to do differently? And if I've experienced these things, the negative impact of these things in my business through my own investments, what did I not like and what can I do differently? Right? What did I not like and what can I do differently? The next one, we talked about this before on the show, it's the good old no like, and trust. (laughs) this has come up a huge amount of times. You know, I always found no like, and trust this kind of strange concept because when people first met me, when people first meet me, when people first meet me in real life, people tend to think that I'm shy. I am shy, but people tend to think I'm shy and that I'm cold, right? It comes across as like some, for some reason in my experience, that shyness, that quiet or perceived as cold, it, it's perceived as me thinking I'm better than people and I, I don't know what, I don't know what happens there. I would love to say it's its more about them than it is about me, but I'm going to take responsibility because I know this about myself that that is a narrative that people have said. um, Not to me, of course not. It's like been said behind my back. But anyway, so... I always found the concept of no like and trust really confusing because I know <laughs> that in real life in situations where maybe I feel uncomfortable or I'm like on my own or I don't know people or whatever the situation might be um in the past I've come across as like not likable and as I've got older and once I started my online business I'm kind of, A, I'm okay with like that. B, I don't really tend to put myself in situations that make me that uncomfortable. Like I try not to be there. And if I am there, I'm able to go, okay, this is not for me. I'm going to leave this space or this community or this conversation or whatever it might be. um, Because I don't have the capacity to be around people who drain me in that way. But I know what it's like to be that person at a table, and everyone else seems to know each other, and you just sit and they're like, "I don't know anybody," right? And I'm not, the, I'm, you know, I'm kind of socially awkward. <laughs> so, the idea of no like and trust always seemed very, very strange to me. And this no like and trust also stems from the idea or the the original, at least what I was taught the ideology is that you you build this no like, and trust, and you need a thousand true fans. I don't know if you've heard this before, this idea that a thousand true fans is all you need, right? So here's what's interesting about this, is the thousand true fans thing, and I, I can't remember, I'll find who actually, where this comes from, and we'll put it in the show notes, and, you know, we'll reference it, but this thousand true fans ideology is, has, has definitely, in my opinion, be, again, weaponized to this idea of, look, it's only a thousand people. That's really simple. But the, the idea is that you have a thousand true fans and these true fans are people who will buy your book. They'll buy it in hardback and paperback and they'll buy the Kindle version and they'll buy the audiobook. and they'll buy your CD, your, your vinyl and everything else, right? They'll go to all of your shows, they'll buy your merchandise. So the first thing is, this ideology comes from or at least was rooted in in the idea of physical products, right? I will sit here and say there are a handful of musicians and I'm probably a true fan. I have the download, the CD, the t-shirt, the vinyl. There are a handful of musicians because I could, I mean, to be fair, I couldn't afford to do it for every musician I like, but there are a handful of people who I would do that for. So... The no like and trust then became okay. You need to get people to know you, to like you, and that helps to trust you. You remember back in I don't know what episode it is, twenty eight, I want to say. Anyway, I'll link to it in the show notes. But I sat down with Maggie Patterson, a small business boss, and we talked about no like and trust. And as she said, most most influencers, and as she calls them, celebrity entrepreneurs, will kind of skip elements of the no like and trust, right? they they build their brand on well supposedly relatability they build their brand on relatability right i'm relatable you should know me because i'm just like you but they kind of skip areas of the no like and trust and then when you don't become their biggest fan they just drop you you're not you know, who cares right so there's so many problems with the no like and trust and know, like, and trust is really just dead now. I really, the only way I think we can use it is to know, like, and trust ourselves in our businesses as business owners. That to me is where this lies. We need to get to know what we want and what we need as a business owner. We get to, we need to like ourselves as a business owner, right? Which comes from unpacking all of this shit and deciding What we're going to stand with, deciding what we're not going to compromise on, that because for me, when I'm doing stuff in my, I was doing stuff in my business that was unethical or didn't align with my values, didn't align with the kind of business I thought I would have. I didn't like myself. I didn't like who I was as a business owner. I didn't like my business. I didn't like how I was showing up on social media. I didn't like tasks in my business because I felt like I was performing all the time. I didn't know that's what it was, but. Now I'm like, I was performing. I was playing a part that I thought I should. And the trust, well, the trust has to be rebuilt with ourselves. We have to understand that we need to do this with compassion. This is not our fault, right? It's not your fault. But you have a choice now to change the way these things are. And it will take time. It's ongoing work. But the no like, and trust that we once used is just broken, right? It's just broken. And I know that if we can build businesses that are built on transparency and honesty and respect, we're going to be in a much better position moving forward. So there's a couple of other phrases I want to talk about. Like-minded people. We see this a lot, right? You're going to be in a community... safe space, and you're going to be with like-minded people, like-minded business owners, like-minded women, like-minded coaches. We see this a lot. Again, I'm not saying you can't say that, but the same as I'm going to meet you where you are. Do we know what that that like-mindedness is, truly is? How are we facilitating that? How are we pre-qualifying that? Right? How are we pre-qualifying that these people are like-minded? Do we have a way of recognizing that? Or are we just using it because we think that's what people want to hear? And this is the important thing. A lot of these phrases in the past, I have used them without giving them any thought at all phrases that I'm like well that's because that's what people want to hear people want to feel safe people want to be you know they want to know that I'm going to meet them where they are they don't want to feel like a number and they want to be with people who they who they who think get it right they're doing the same thing as them but in my experience I've had communities I've had paid groups where yeah they might be like-minded but they're not all doing the same things I've also been in communities where that I've built where there is a whole mixture of people who are not like-minded and I did the exact thing that we talked about at the beginning I buried my head in the sand I I avoided it right I avoided it so yes you might be trying to create a space with like-minded people but again understanding what that means considering what that truly means and how do you show that how do you explain that right, in the best and, you know, most transparent way for your business. And finally, let's talk about price. I was having this conversation, um, just recently with a couple of peers, like-minded peers, and we were talking about, um, our businesses. We were talking about our experience this year in 2021, that, Promotions and launches and selling—it just—it feels a little bit harder than it did twelve months ago. Um, again, that's my experience. That was the experience on this, on this within the the few of us that were talking, and the conversation came up about affordability, right? Creating affordable offers. We talked it. We talked for a little while about this and about the idea that creating different products or offers that meet people where they're at, right? Coming back to, you know, meeting them where they're at financially. And then I played devil's advocate and was like, well, how do we know that, (laughs) right? How do we know that, right? Just because everyone says that like, well, $17, $7, $27, like charm pricing, like how how do we know where people are at? How do we know what is affordable? And, someone said price inclusivity and I was like, well, first of all, that feels so much more expansive to me. And we see this a lot, right? We see this with, especially in the last year, we've seen this with people doing more and more pay what you can or a sliding scale payment, um, extended payment plans. Uh, We've seen, there's a number of ways in which we can create price inclusivity. And I think that's really important. Because somebody's budget isn't necessarily our business, right? It's not our business. But what we can do as business owners is be transparent and upfront about pricing and cost and investment. This is especially important if we are service-based business owners or coaches. Here's why I'm saying that, because probably any other person listening (laughs) product-based businesses, if you sell digital products, if you sell artwork or jewellery or you're a designer, there is no way you're hiding your prices. At least I can't imagine you are. The coaching industry in particular, but also services. This is the only industry where we are so, we have been sold the idea that we have to hide our pricing And I have a lot of thoughts on this and I don't, you know, they're not necessarily substantiated in anything other than my own experiences and thoughts. The first thought I have is if we're so eager to hide our prices, right, we can't have prices on our sales page. Instead we lead with the idea of get on a call with me and have a discovery call. The discovery call in turn being a, an objection, call, right? It's not even a discovery call. It's a call where I'm going to, I'm going to challenge your objections. And what we see again, the, the the weaponized behavior is coaching people into paying, getting people. It's almost like, it's not even a discovery call because it's almost at this point, it's like sales scripted. That was what I was taught by my coach back in like 2019. We're like We were given sales scripts, how to control the call, how to coach people to speak to their husbands. Right. Because, or because people would say, well, I need to speak to my husband. And we were taught how to coach people, aka manipulate people. So, this idea that we hide our prices, that we're not upfront about what something costs or even like what the starting price is, is this not because? The industry is so unregulated, and because for the most part, they are overpriced. There are a lot of coaching programs that, as far as I'm concerned, they're just overpriced. Like, what the hell are you going to give me for this kind of investment? Again, not the case for everyone, but we have to be really self-aware of this. And so as for us the solution is to be transparent, to be honest. Talk about your pricing. And if you feel really uncomfortable sharing the price on that page, then you need to do some work there. You right? You need to look at why am I so uncomfortable to talk about this price? Is it because this price doesn't feel good? Is it because of something else? Is it because I I'm I, I don't feel like I'm worthy of this value? Or is it because I'm afraid to ask people? These are different things, right? These are different conversations we can have with ourselves. Because in some cases, it might be that we need to go inward and look at, okay, where does this come from? Why am I afraid to ask for this amount of money when I know that it's worth that? If it's because we have just plucked a random number out or we have overinflated the price of something and we don't believe it to be worth that not because of our self-worth but because we actually genuinely don't believe that's it's worth that because there's a whole lot of people still teaching you just to raise your prices without any real without any real um research then that's a different that's different work to be doing but again we have to understand that we can have different ways of managing pricing we can Offer price inclusivity in a number of ways, right? Having quote a product suite that allows people to choose their path, right, and and get value from whatever it is that they are buying. And I thought a lot about this just recently when I created the Outlaw Journal and published it and and sold it in the pre-sale because. Inevitably, I got to the point where I had to decide how much was I going to charge for this journal, and I was charging for it in my currency, which is pounds. And I looked at it from the point of view: okay, what are other journals of this that are like this going for? Because I really think when you're selling a product, it is somewhat easier to price because you can compare it to other things in the market. You can look at it and say, okay, well, what would I, what would I pay for this? You know, if I went into a bookstore and I saw this there, what would I pay for it? And so I priced it based on that. I also looked at the currency conversion because luckily KDP, which is who I published it through, shows you how it will be priced in other currencies. So I looked at my other two main currencies that I thought most people are going to buy it in. And I was like, okay, that still feels good for me. But I still spent some time sitting with it changing oh no I should do this no I should do that and I was like we spend hundreds if not thousands of dollars on things that we either don't use or that don't bring us value and I'm afraid to price a 15 pound journal that I know is valuable and I was like this is how fucked up this industry has got Right this is how fucked up it's got. That we don't even know how to price our own work. Right we don't know how to price our own work and this just feeds into that narrative of the financial goals and the financial the financial stability and inclusivity of businesses. So when it comes to creating something that we think is affordable we have to just check in with ourselves. Right are we really living and breathing that are we being transparent about pricing right are we being transparent about pricing are we being transparent about why something why we believe something is worth that we don't i'm not saying you have to sit there and tell everybody well this is how much time i put into it but it's really important that if we're going to offer things that we feel are affordable that we feel meet people where they're at we need to really look at the ways in which we're doing that be upfront with our pricing, even if it just says, "Start pricing starts at, right? Because you don't go to a grocery store without looking at prices. The prices are right there in front of us, right? The same with most stores. The only places I just occurred to me, the only places I have been to where pricing is to some degree hidden is if you go to... To one of those like designer accessory shops, like a handbag store or like a it's like um what the hell are they called? Oh, I can't think what they're called, but these like these departments either in a department store or these like individual stores that are designer stores, especially for handbags and like wallets and things like that. They typically like hide the pricing inside the bag. Like they don't have a price label on their beautifully curated and cohesive um, store, right? If you go to, like, Michael Kors, for example, it doesn't have the price of that handbag or that wallet right up front. You have to, like, dig into the pockets to find the pricing, right? And their sales section is, like, hidden away at the back, right? Like, no, you have to come and find me. I'm not going to put this up front. So, this is, I don't go into many designers' stores. I mean, I don't go to any stores currently. But, that's the only place i can think the pricing is still there you just have to look for it right you still have to look for it but if you go to buy a car those prices are like front and center stuck on the front of that car you know exactly what you're getting right you're not going in there with you know a, a budget of a certain amount and somebody's showing you a tesla and like you're test driving it and then you find out that it's like 20 thirty thousand pounds over your budget right you go in mind with, okay, this is my budget, and this is what I want. And you've probably done some research. We get to treat our businesses like that, right? We get to treat our businesses like that, and we can encourage other people to almost treat our businesses in that way, right? Be upfront, be transparent, be honest about all of these things that we are trying to create, because the trust is broken, and if we want to work with people who we want if we want to work with people who trust us if we want to we want to work with like-minded people we want to ensure that people are safe and that they're not just a number then we need to be really really transparent and realistic about what that takes what kind of work we have to put into it right it's not as simple as oh my god she's in my head take my credit card because at least for me, I'm, I'm really cautious of that now. I'm really cautious. I'm not going to just hand over my bank details or my credit card, even if it's a $27 investment. In fact, I'm turned off by those kinds of things, right? And maybe your audience are too. I don't know, but you need to think about that. So, I hope that today's episode has given you some solutions, it's given you some thoughts, some ideas and ways in which you can, if you've been feeling, because for me, I've been feeling really, really crunchy about all these things. How do I put together a sales page? How do I launch? How do I promote something without feeding into these behaviors, without encouraging these behaviors? How do I do these things while standing within my values and my beliefs? And I and I think this is how, right? Honesty and transparency are a huge part of this, but I think it comes back to understanding in our own businesses, what do these things truly mean to us? And if we don't really believe them, then don't use them because as I said, there's been many times in my business where I've used some of these phrases and I haven't even considered what it would take, haven't even considered what it would look like. But it's no longer about just putting these phrases on a sales page or in an email or on social media. We have to live and breathe them. We have to really deliver on them. We have to show people what we are willing to do to actually meet these standards. And these standards might feel really high and you might get pissed off at times because you're like, these fuckers are just doing what they want and they're making loads of money. That's great, but that's their business. That's not our business. This ends with us. This bullshit, this toxic and harmful behavior that has been fed through the coaching industry, it ends with us. It ends with our businesses, our launches, our sales copy. We get to lead the way. Forge the path that we didn't have. But we have to believe that it's possible and we have to keep persevering. And I know it's hard. I get it. But it's it's the way forward. If we want to run these kinds of businesses, it's the way forward. So I hope I've offered you some solutions today, right? I'm going to continue to look at the ways in which we can solve some of these problems in our own businesses right? The only way to solve the problem overall is by solving the problems in our own businesses. It starts with the individual work. It becomes the collective work. But it doesn't start with collective. We can't just show up and talk about it. We have to actually do it. And then we can talk about it. Then we can share it. So I want to just say thank you so much for listening into today's episode. If you have any questions or thoughts, or if you have like just anything about this episode, please come over to Instagram. It's entrepreneurial underscore outlaws. Head on over there um, and say hello if you're not already following, but also let me know what your thoughts are. How, what's your experience with these phrases, both in your business or as an investor? Like, let me know what your experience is. And in next week's episode, episode 34, I'm going to be talking about the power of self-inquiry. I've talked about self-inquiry a lot on this show. If you follow me on social media, you will have seen me talk about this. It was a huge part of why I created the Outlaw Journal. And it's a huge part of my business, a huge part of my own growth. It's personal and professional development. But I think sometimes we can be really unsure of what really is self-inquiry. Is it just journaling? And I'm going to say yes and no. And I'm also going to tell you all about it in next week's episode. So make sure you join me in episode 34 as we dive into self-inquiry, the power of self-inquiry, and how you can leverage it in your own business. Until next time, Outlaws. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Entrepreneurial Outlaws. If you see yourself as an entrepreneurial outlaw and enjoyed this episode, would you do me a small favor? It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take a moment to subscribe to the show and leave a rating and review. By leaving a review, you are helping me to grow our Outlaw community and together we can show other entrepreneurs that breaking the rules can actually be good for business. Don't forget, you can find the show notes for today's episode, along with any of the links that I mentioned on my website at melanynights.com forward slash podcast. And if we're not already virtual besties, you can come and hang out with me on Instagram. I am the one with the country music playing, the lukewarm coffee in my hand, and I'm dishing the dirt on how we can make entrepreneurship more inclusive and transparent. Plus, I'll probably send you some fun gifts. So until next time, Outlaws.